0: My mom was an alcoholic. My dad um, sold drugs and both my parents abused drugs. I was literally born into that lifestyle, so there was nothing I didn't know anything outside of that. My dad was at work one day, and my brother and I are 18 months apart, and he was in the crib crying and I came home from kindergarten, and my mom was laid out in the bathroom in a puddle of blood um, because she had smoked crack and fell and hit her head. My first thing to do was to call my grandmother and to tell her that my mom was laid out. And I knew to put the drugs away. And that I was calling 911 for my mom. But no child should have to do that. It was just like that all through life. But I moved out when I was probably 17. I met this guy um and we had a really great connection and he showed up on my house one day and he asked me have you ever tried meth before and i was like no i don't do drugs i don't even smoke cigarettes i don't drink i don't do anything and he was like well let's try it, it started just as okay after work on fridays you can come by the apartment we'll do so and then three years later it's progressively into it more and more and more and more. I was not a good mom to my daughter or to any of my kids. Um, I felt worthless, I felt alone. I felt like that's all I was gonna ever be, just like my parents. And then eventually I stopped working. Then that's when my first husband was dealing and the cops came in our house. They kicked in my door with huge AK-47s, had them pointed at myself and at my daughter, and they're tearing my house apart. And they're telling me that they're gonna take her. One day I just woke up and said, this isn't how I'm gonna live anymore. Like, this is not what I'm gonna do. I got off of methamphetamine, so I was off, and then I moved from Texas to Oklahoma um, nine years ago and got remarried so my second husband his cousin actually um about two years ago she was like hey come to church with me at people's church and so she she took me and ever since then i've just been hooked i just couldn't take the pressure anymore of me trying to control everything i gave it to god everything my anxiety my divorce my kids, everything. When I asked God, when I said, God, get me out of this, I can't do this, this is not how I wanna live. I wanna be a great mother again, I wanna be a good sister again, I wanna be your daughter. He was right there to pick me up and he did. Everything that I had been holding and trying to control or put down or push back, I gave it to him that day. And then when I got baptized, things were changing for the good. Um, And I started getting stronger. My boys and I got sick in September. And just when I came back, everyone, people that I didn't even know, that wouldn't even recognize that I was gone, were like, Hey, we haven't seen you. Where have you been? When they say family at the end, you are part of a family. I might not can speak the Bible like a lot of people, but I don't have to because I'm a walking testimony. I can tell you I have been... I have been beaten by people, I have worked in a strip club before, I have done a lot of things and I know that as long as I said, God, I'm sorry, get me out of this situation and I promise you, I'll give my life to you, and He did, He's always been there. No matter what you're going through, He will cover you with His grace and He will get you out of any situation that you're in. It doesn't matter.
1: That's why we do what we do. That's why people's church exists. That's why we're going to Edmond to start a location in 2020. That's why we're looking for land or a building in Edmond. That's why we're looking for aggressively and looking for land or a building in Indianapolis for our location there because there are more lives to be changed. Is there anybody besides me and Natasha that could testify that Jesus has changed your life. Is there anybody else that had their life changed by Jesus? Doesn't he change lives? He he changes lives. He's changed mine, and I know he's changed a lot of your lives, and there's a whole lot more lives that Jesus still wants to change. And if you're a guest today at one of our five locations, welcome to People's Church. It's a historic day today. Uh, It's a day that we're making a one-year commitment to the Lord to start our new location for land and for building. Uh, We're taking ground as a church. As our guests, we don't expect you to make any kind of commitment today, but we are glad that you're here on this historic day uh, because I want you to know as the senior pastor of this this church that we're a church of full of vision. We're 17 years old, but our best days are not behind us. We're not looking in the rear view, rear view mirror going, you know what? Those were the good old days. There are great days ahead for people's church. There are so many more lives that God's going to change. And so we're excited about the future of people's church. And I, I'm finishing up a four week series today called taking ground, taking Ground and I've titled today's message Marching to the Promised Land. Uh, once a year or so, I try to take my children to a football game. We, we really enjoy athletics in the Cooper family. We love sports. And so once a year, I try to take them to a football game. And I took my youngest son, Case, last month to a football game. And here we are together at the football game, hanging out and enjoying the football game. Dad and my 11-year-old son at a Oklahoma Sooner football game. And even if you're not a Sooner fan, maybe you're a, a Cowboys fan or you, you enjoy another college football team. Well, most of you will remember this football game because it's the game where the Sooner Schooner fell over. And so my son and I were at that game when, when the Sooner Schooner fell over after a touchdown. And my son thought this was pretty cool. He was like, Dad, did you see that? I think he thought it was more exciting than the football game. But, but so we, we, we got to experience that. And then I, what I, one of the things I love about college football environment is the marching band. Uh, anybody ever playing the marching band in college or high school? Come on, we're the marching band, folks. Man, man, I love a good marching band. And one of my favorite things about a college marching band is the drum major who marches, leans backwards and starts marching. Anybody know about those drum majors, man? I love a good drum major. give it up for Santa Fe High School, Drumline, some of them attend our church, give it up for them today, marching, I about cut a step y'all, you know what I'm saying, marching to the promised land. And let me tell you, when you read the Bible and you read about taking the promised land, god tells israel to march to the promised land i want to show this to you in joshua chapter six I'm, I'm going to be unpacking joshua chapter six so get your bibles ready get your pens ready get your notes ready you won't take some good notes today joshua six and verse one says now the gates of jericho were securely barred because of the israelites no one without and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, come on, in all of our locations, everybody shout, see. see. Oh, come on, y'all, I'm preaching. Come on, I want I, I need you to preach with me today. Everybody shout, see, Amen. that now you're ready for your pastor today. See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with this king and its fighting men. Here's the key word, march. Everybody shout, march. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Here's what I want you to understand to take the promised land. Point number one, you got to march around the wall. You got to march around the wall. People's church, there is always a wall between you and the promised land. I want to help you today. If you're going to take the promised land, don't even be surprised. There is always a wall between you and the promised land. I know some of you are thinking right now, Pastor, is this the exact replica of the wall of Jericho? No. No, it's not. But but, but a wall always stands between you and the promised land. It's always a struggle. There's always a fight. There's always a battle. There's always a wall between you and the promised land. I think about Moses. God promised Moses you're going to deliver Israel out of 400 years of bondage and he shows up to Egypt and then he encounters a wall named Pharaoh who would not let God's people go. He finally gets God's people out of Egypt and when he gets out of Egypt, he encounters another wall called the Red Sea because there's always a wall between you and the promised land. I think about Israel. God told Israel I am going to defeat the Philistines. You're going to win the battle against the Philistines and yet what stood between them and their and their victory was a giant named Goliath. There was a wall between them and the promised land. I think about Joseph. God promised Joseph Joseph, you're going to be a powerful leader in the land. I'm going to use you mightily. And yet there was a wall that stood between Joseph and the promised land. That wall was his own brothers who sold him into slavery. And then he ends up in Egypt. And then he's falsely accused by Potiphar's wife and thrown in the there was a wall between him and the promised land. I think about David. God told David you're going to be the next king of Israel. I promised it to you. And yet the Bible says he encountered a wall and his name was Saul. And Saul tried to kill David on numerous occasions. I think about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God the Father promised his son you're going to save the world. You're going to pay the price and save the world for, for, from all of their sins. And Jesus comes. Comes to earth and he encounters a wall, and one of his closest friends, named Judas, betrays him. And then they take Jesus to Jesus and they hang him on a cross. They put nails in his hands and his feet. They put a spear in his side, a crown of thorns in his head. I mean, Jesus faced the wall of pain to see the promise come to pass. And listen to me today, people's church, you're not exempt. If you're going to go to the promised land, you will have to march around the wall. There will be a struggle. There will be a battle. There will be a wall. There will be an obstacle that you will have to march around to get to the promised land. And people's church, the reason people don't march is because they cannot see. People don't march because they don't see. You see, God told Israel, see, that's what he told them, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Don't you see it march around the wall? And, and some of the Israelites were thinking, what are you talking about, God? We don't see a victory. We see a wall. We don't see that you've given Jericho to us. We see a wall and god says no 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 no! you got to see what i see i see a defeated foe i see a victory do you see what i see and that's the question i've come to ask you today people's church do you see what god sees i told you at one night listen if you miss one night you missed it don't you miss next year's If you miss one night you missed it shame shame everybody knows your name you got to be at one night And I told you at one night that two people can look at the exact same thing and see something totally different. It's not what you look at that matters. It's what you see. I want to ask you, People's Church, I want you to think about your life. Do you see through human eyes? Or through God's eyes? Do you see, my friends, through the eyes of fear or the eyes of faith? Do you see it for what it is or for what it could be? Do you see grapes or giants? Do you see promises or problems? Do you see opportunities or obstacles? It's not what you look at. It's what you see. And I've always been able to see. I can remember growing up and we woke Standing in the shower, Pastor, you're getting awfully personal right now. But I was standing in that shower, raindrops falling on my face, the the, the shower head putting down those, the, 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 that water coming down, and I would be crying in the shower because I saw thousands of people. I saw myself preaching from Little We Woka in a little shower in that house. I saw myself preaching to thousands, and people coming to know Jesus Christ had no idea that I would travel all around the world and preach in front of crowds of 15, 20,000 people, seeing people come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Oh, but I saw it. It's not what you look at, it's what you see. I remember over 18 years ago, I was driving with my wife on the north side of Oklahoma City. Didn't really ever come to the north side of Oklahoma City. I grew up in Little Woka, and we would come to the city about once a month. We would say, we're going to make a trip to the city, and we always used to shop at Crossroads Mall. Anybody know about Crossroads Mall in the house? Come on, somebody. Uh, Yeah, old Paris flea market. Where you at? Where you at? Where you at? You don't know what I'm talking about up in here. That's where I shop. Come on, somebody. And I remember driving on the north side of Oklahoma City, and I saw the Quail Springs Mall. Never been there a day of my life. I saw an AMC theater attached to it, and I leaned over to my wife and said, Baby, that's where we need to start the church. We're going to start the church right there in that AMC theater. Everybody else saw popcorn. Everybody else saw clothes. Everybody else saw soda. Everybody else saw movie theater. But I saw a year before we ever got here, I saw a church meeting there people coming to know Jesus I saw lives being changed it's not what you look at it's what you see I remember pulling up here to this 50 acres of land there was no building here I have people ask me pastor was this building here when you got here no it was dirt it was grass But it's not what I saw. I saw a church where thousands of people would come and give their life to Jesus Christ and lives would be turned around and marriages would be put back together again. And people would be set free from addictions right here on this 50 acres of land long before it happened. I saw it because it's not what you look at. It's what you see. I remember driving around Midwest City and I saw a movie theater driving around Northwest Expressway there was an old movie theater that was an an event center and everybody else saw a movie theater that was vacant. Everybody else saw an event express center and an old movie theater with sloped floors but that's not what I saw. I saw a church where people would come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I saw it before everybody else saw it because it's not what you look at, it's what you see and now we got a campus in Midwest city now we got a campus in northwest oklahoma city because i didn't just look at what i saw i looked beyond what i I was looking at and i said i see something i see a church where lives are being changed you listen do you see a wall you see an obstacle or do you see opportunities do you see giants that's why some of you are not moving forward and taking ground because you see problems but honey i see promises i remember me and pastor chris dreaming about starting a church in Indianapolis, where he's from. And we were talking about it. And he told me about this middle school called Fall Creek Valley Middle School. And everybody else saw snotty-nosed sixth graders. But I saw there's a church. There's going to be a church right here in this Fall Creek Valley middle school. And then four years ago, you know what we did? We had Grand Opening People's Church in a middle school where sixth, seventh, and eighth graders meet. And today there'll be 550, 600 people gathered in that middle school. And lives will be, be changed. People are going to come to know Jesus Christ because it's not what you look at. it's what you It's what you see it's what you see. And then we went and we saw a prison called Mabel Bassett and our opportunity was presented in front of us. Do you see problems or do you see promises? Do you really believe that you can open up the very first prison church in the state of Oklahoma? Yes, we do. We believe we can take God behind bars and we stepped out in faith and we started the very first prison church in the state of Oklahoma that meets every single Sunday. Our volunteers go there. Ladies at Mabel Bassett, you're not a project for us we love you, we love you, we love you I'm honored to be your pastor it's not what you look at, it's what you see come on somebody thank God for Mabel Bassett we believe in you ladies your best days are ahead of you we have not forgotten about you we love you ladies it's not what you look at, it's what you see. Now I see a campus in Edmond. I see us going there and seeing more changed lives next year. I don't just want to stop there. I see us launching a seventh campus. It might be on the south side. Anybody live on the south side of Oklahoma City? It might be It might, It might. might be in Shawnee. It might be in Wewoka. Come on, somebody. We might go to rural Oklahoma. I'm telling you, it's not what you look at, it's what you see. I see us getting Indianapolis into a building. I see us getting their own facility, a Facility where they can double and, and double their impact, double their influence, and see more changed lives. People's church, you gotta see promises, not problems. You gotta march around the wall, you gotta see it. Number two is this, number two is this, number two is this. March when you don't understand everything God is doing. Look at your neighbor and say, That point right there is for you. Go ahead and tell them, that's for you. March when you don't understand everything God is doing. Notice Joshua chapter 6 and verse 2. It says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with his king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, March around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. Now, people, church, when you think about this battle plan that God gave Israel it makes no sense at all there's this humongous wall that's wrapped all the way around the city on the other side of the wall are trained fighting soldiers from Jericho and God tells Israel here's how you are gonna get to win the battle I want you to march around the wall and while you're marching I want the priest I want the preachers. I want the pastors. I want them carrying ram's horns and I want them to blow on the trumpet while they're marching. (laughs) God, we don't need no soft handed preachers. We got to have an army to win this battle. We don't need preachers, we need weapons. We don't need no rams, horns. We need some swords. We need some grenades. We can't win a battle marching and blowing horns. And God says, listen, you do what I tell you to do. Walls fall by faith, not by facts. And faith doesn't always make sense. Some of you are trying to go to the promised land on facts, but you can't get there by facts. If you're going to take the promised land God has for your life and for our church, it will always require faith. Here's what the story says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30. It says, it was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. It wasn't by logic. It wasn't by facts. It wasn't by human wisdom or ingenuity. It was by faith that the walls came tumbling down. See, let me tell you about your God. Your God says march and then the walls will fall. But people oftentimes say, God, knock down the wall and then we'll march. God says, that's not faith. That's not faith. That's not how I work. What pleases me is faith. You march, then the wall will fall. And as we prepare to make one your commitments to the Lord today over and above our tithe, there are people who will think this, God you give it to me, and I'll give. And God says, no, 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 no. I work my faith. You give, and then I'll give it to you. But God knocks down walls after we march. You have to have faith in God and march While the walls are still standing, commit while the walls are still standing. Take steps of faith while the walls are still standing. Martin Luther King Jr. said, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. Listen to me, church. If everything makes sense to you, you are not marching by faith. You got to march while the wall is still standing. It doesn't make all all sense to you, but you got to follow God and march by faith. Number three is this. Number three, you're going to take the promised land. You got to march with the presence of God. March with the presence of God. Notice this in Joshua chapter 6 and verse 6. So Joshua son of Nun called the priest and said to them, take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. Verse 8 says this, After Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the ram's horns started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. I want you to catch this. This It's so critical. God said, if you're going to take the promised land, you have to have my presence with you. You see, the ark of the covenant represented the presence of the Lord. And the reason that some people never advance, they never take the promised land, they never seize the promised land and take ground is because they don't realize how important the presence of the Lord is. I've been teaching you in this series that, listen, we are in a spiritual battle. What you're fighting today, the battles that you're fighting are more spiritual than you realize. And you cannot fight a spiritual battle with carnality. You cannot fight a spiritual battle with your flesh. You fight a spiritual battle with spirit your weapons. You gotta have God's presence with you. And the scripture says this. The scripture says that the Israelites knew how important God's presence was. That they had armed guards guarding the Ark of the Covenant. They had armed guards guarding the presence of the Lord. And people's church, if you're going to make it to the promised land, if I'm going to make it, if we're going to make it as a church, we've got to guard the presence of the Lord. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? Listen, if we're going to make it to the promised land, we got to guard our Bible reading time. We got to guard our prayer time. We got to guard our worship. We got to guard coming to church. We got As we march, we got to guard tithing. We got to guard giving. We gotta guard serving. We gotta guard our small group time. We gotta guard our hearts from sin. We've got to have the presence of God. Walls don't fall in the flesh. We gotta march with the presence of God. Guard God's presence. Seek God's face. Be in God's house. Worship God. Read his word. You gotta have his presence. Gotta have his presence. You gotta have his presence. March with the presence of God. Number four is this, number four is this, march together. Notice this, march together, Joshua 6, verse 9, it says, some of them armed men marched in front of the priest with the horns and some behind the ark, with the priest continually blowing the horns. What I want you to catch here is it took them marching together to take the promised land, everybody doing their part, Scripture says some carried the ark. Scripture says some guarded the ark from behind. Some guarded the ark in the front. Some, the preachers even were part of it. And the priests walked and blew the trumpets. Everybody had to do their part to take the promised land. In people's church, the only way that we can take the promised land is we need everybody to do their part. And you know what happens in seasons like this? Is there are some people that are fired up to take the promised land and they're ready to march. And there are others thinking, I want to sit it out. I don't want to be a part of that. I'm just, I got too much going on in my life. People's church, if this is your church home, Would you march with your church family? We need everybody doing their part. Some big, some small, some medium. But everybody has to do their part. Some of you came here today thinking, I'm going to sip this out today. But I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. March with your church family. I thank God for those who are already marching. There's 166 families that have already committed to march. They've made a one-year commitment to give $400,000 to see this vision come to pass, to start another location in Edmond, to get land and a building. They they, they said, we believe in the vision and we're marching. And I thank God there's a a few key leaders in our church. Said, pastor, I believe in this vision. I'm with you heart and soul. Let's take ground. Our best days are ahead of us. And they've set up a matching fund of $250,000. And they said, "As our church gives, if they give hundred dollars, we're gonna give make it two hundred. If they give a thousand, we're gonna make it two thousand. If they give five, if you give five thousand. They're gonna make it." Ten thousand. If you give ten, they're gonna make it twenty. If you give twenty-five, they're gonna make it fifty. If you give fifty thousand, they're gonna make it a hundred thousand dollars. They say we are marching. We're committed. And people's church, we need you to march with your church family. That's why we created these vision commitment cards. And even on the back of these cards, we showed you the different gifts. Somebody might be a hundred dollars. Somebody might be a hundred thousand. Somebody might be a million. But all of us doing our part. Nothing's too small. Nothing is too big. It, here's how you take the promised line. Everybody marching together. Everybody doing their part. Everybody saying, I play a part in moving my church forward. Everybody shout, march together. march together. Number five, number five. This is my favorite point. This is my favorite point right here, right here, right here. March when there is no shout. I want you to see this. The next verse, Joshua 6 and verse 10 says, but Joshua had commanded the army. Do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. He said, if we're going to take the promised land, we have to learn to march when there is no shout. That means we had to learn to march when there are no goosebumps, when emotions are not high, when we don't even feel good. You see, it's easy to make a commitment to the Lord. People do it all the time. They make a commitment. God, I'm committed to pray. I'm going to pray, God. I'm committed to read my Bible and God, I'm going to be at church every single Sunday. God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve in a ministry. I'm, I'm going to tithe, God, faithfully. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give above my tithe to dream builders to see the vision come to pass and to take ground. God, God, you know what? I, I'm going to invite people to church and invite my coworkers. God, I'm, I'm making a commitment to you. But what happens to so many people is they make a commitment to the Lord, and about two days in, they're like, whoo, I'm tired. Man, God, I've been, I've been marching for two weeks. I think God, somebody else needs to march. God, I've been, I've been serving in the kids' ministry and, and, and helping the children and serving in the youth ministry. I've been doing it for three months. God, somebody else needs to do it. God, pa- pa- Listen, I've been giving, Lord, for years. I've, I've been given to the church and, and tithing. God, let somebody else do it. I, I'm taking a break. And so people stop marching. And the only way to go to the promised land, people's church, is you have to march even when you don't feel like it. you got to march when there is no shout. It's not all about emotions and and hype. It's about, you know what, God? I'm going to stay faithful to you when I don't feel like it. I'm going to stay faithful to honor you and to obey your word when my emotions are not high. I'm going to be faithful to honor you when I'm tired. i got to march when there is no shout. And then today we're going to make commitments to the Lord. And then in a week and a half from now, it's going to be thanksgiving. Some of you are going to be in a food coma after it's all over. You're going to eat so much food. And December the 8th, between Commitment Sunday and December the 8th, there's going to be time that passes by. And you'll be excited today, and God is moving in hearts. He's speaking to us. But now the key is do we follow through in our commitments. December the 8th on the miracle offering, give as much as we can, as quick as we can, and get seed in the ground, and God brings a harvest. And I actually believe on December the 8th that we could actually get all of that, all of that matching fund in one day. I believe we could give 250000 and get the matching fund in one day because we're going to march when there is no shout. We got to have people who have spiritual maturity and spiritual depth because real spiritual maturity is not just making a commitment real spiritual death depth is marching when there's no shout no goosebumps no hype and no emotions but yet we follow the voice of the lord number six is this number six is this I I i love this point right here number six you gotta march extra you gotta march extra if you're gonna take the promised land it says in joshua chapter six and verse 14 and 15 so on the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp they did the for six days. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on on that day, they circled the city seven times. Did you catch this? For six days, they marched around once. On the seventh day, God says, you got to march Extra, And they had to march six extra times around the city. You see, to take the promised land, it takes people who possess extra, who learn how to march extra. You see, oftentimes right before the breakthrough is when all hell breaks loose. Did you realize that the darkest hours right before the dawn and right before the breakthrough on the seventh day, it got hard, it got difficult. God says if you're going to make it to the promised land on the seventh day, you got to march extra. You got to march six extra times around the city. God, what are you talking about? I'm telling you, if you want the promised land, march extra. We've got to have some people that will pray, but not just pray, but will pray extra. We gotta have some people that will worship, but not just worship, but worship extra. We gotta have some people that will serve, but not just serve, but serve extra. We gotta have some people that will give, but not just give, but give extra. We gotta have some people that live by faith, but not just live by faith, but have extra faith. We've gotta have people that possess extra to take the promised land. There's always people who possess extra. I think about a lady in our church named Cheryl. She started serving in the church. And like most people, you know, you begin somewhere and an hour or two, she's serving and three or four, and then five or six, and then 10 or 20 hours. And did you? Let me tell you about Cheryl. Cheryl started serving 40 hours a week at our church, just giving extra. I'm going to serve extra. I'm going to honor God extra. I feel like God's tugging my heart not to take a job, but to serve the church extra. And you know what happened? Because Cheryl started serving extra. About a month ago, our team said, we need to hire Cheryl. So we hire Cheryl onto our staff. She's a full-time employee at People's Church now. But it all started because she said, I'm going to march. People who take the promised land have extra. There's a couple in our church. Leaders sold out to the vision. They communicated to me, Pastor, we're all in. We're committing $50,000 to the vision to see more changed lives. We believe in this vision. We've been here a long time. We're excited about the future. And then God spoke to their heart about extra. Then they doubled their pledge, their commitment. And now they're committed to give $100,000 so that we can take more ground as a church. They said, extra. We're, we're going to give extra. Extra. And then God started messing with your pastor. How many know God can mess with you? You know what I'm saying? You're like, man, is that, that tacos? God, is that you? Is that pizza? And God's done. that's not pizza, boy. That's me talking to you. And God began to speak to me about extra. Speaking to my wife and I about extra. And we made a very large commitment to the Lord in faith. Stepping out in faith. But God began to deal with us. And we've raised our commitment an extra $12,000 by faith that we believe the Lord is going to give through us extra as we march by faith. And we've got four kids, all of them at home. Three of them are teenagers. One pizza don't feed our family anymore, church. I'm like, God, are you sure? Are you sure? God said, Herbert, you know, every time you've given extra, I've always provided, I've always come through, I've always met your needs. I want you to give extra, extra. My little girl blessed me. My wife texted me this morning. She said, you're going to want to know what Karis did. She texted me and said, this morning, Karis asked us today, Commitment Sunday at the church. I said, it is, sweetie. She said, you know, out of my allowance, I've been saving up money. She said, I want to give $75 above my tithe to make the vision come to pass. My 13-year-old daughter said, you know what, I'm going to give extra to see the vision come to pass. People who take the promised land have extra that they sacrifice. Number seven is this, number seven is this, number seven is this, march and shout when the walls are still standing. Notice in Joshua 6 and verse 5, when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout, then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. There are times you shout when the walls are still standing. There's times to be quiet and times to shout. And you have to learn to shout in faith. You need to know that it's not what you're looking at that matters. It's what you see. You shout in faith when the wall is still standing. You see a victory when the wall is still standing. Even when you don't see it, he's working. Even when you don't feel it, he's working. That's been a theme in our church. I've asked him to sing it the last several weeks, the last few weeks. It's on my heart for our church. He's working. If you'll march by faith, he's working. Walls are going to fall. The wall is going to fall in your life. People, church, I'm speaking to you right now. The wall is going to fall as you march in faith. I see your wall falling, but you got to march. When you walked in today on your seat, there was a my wall will fall card. Would you grab that card with me right now? Just grab that card. My wall will fall. Now, some of you took it and put your gum in it. Shame on you. This was not for your gum. Would you grab this card right now? I would love everybody to participate because we want to pray for you. And I want you to write down, as you march in faith today and making a commitment to the Lord, I want you to write down, don't write your name, just write down, what wall are you believing to fall? It says, as I march in faith, I'm believing God is going to knock down the wall of, what wall do you need to fall in your life? Would you write down that wall? I want everybody to participate because you know what? even participating as an act of faith saying, God, I believe you're going to knock down a wall. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe the wall's in your finances. Maybe the wall's with a child that needs to come to know Jesus Christ. Maybe the wall's in your health. Maybe it's at your job. Maybe you're believing for that big business deal to close. Maybe your wall is, with, is, 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 is at your school. Whatever that wall might be, would you write down that wall today? And as we turn in our commitment cards, we're going to turn these cards in. And I'm telling you we're going to pray over these as a staff and we're going to see walls come down and I see it church walls are going to come down in your life as you step out in faith and make a commitment and march by faith walls are going to come down be sure to write down your wall so that we can be praying for that wall to fall in Jesus name verse number 8 is this number 8 is this march in and take the city march in and take the city it says Joshua 6 and verse 20 when the trumpet sounded The army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So, everyone would you say, everyone? People's church, we need everyone to participate. As your pastor, would you listen to the voice of the Lord? Nothing's too small, nothing's too big. But everyone charged straight in and they took the city. That means they didn't just shout. They didn't just march. At some point, you got to move forward and take the city. And that's what today's all about, these Vision 2019-20 commitment cards in the back of your seat back pocket. Would you grab one of these? If you're a guest, feel no obligation to participate. But all of our attenders, this is your church home. Would you grab one of these cards? And would you pray about right now the commitment the Lord wants you to make over and above your tithe? And there's a box that says there, I commit to tithe 10% of my income. And right underneath that, it says, I commit to give above my tithe over the next 12 months to dream builders. What's the amount over the next 12 months God is speaking to you about giving? 100, 1,000, 5,000, 25, 100,000, 50,000. Well, what's, what's the number God's speaking to you to give? You put that in that box there. And be sure to write your name and information on this Vision 2019-2020 commitment card. If you don't write your name and information We will not be able to count your card in the total. We have to have a name so that we can know that, hey, I'm pastor. I'm all in. My name's here. My information's here. And on the back of the card, you can notice the different gifts that are needed, how many people to give what amount over the next year to hit the goal. And right now, I'm going to pray for you because I believe God is speaking to hearts right now. And I want us all to be obedient as we fill out this card. Heavenly Father, I thank you right now for speaking. You're speaking about some to write down the number that they've been thinking about for the last two or three weeks. You're speaking to some about increasing their commitment. You're speaking about extra to some. There are some people that walked in this place today that were not going to make a commitment at all. But today you're speaking to them about marching with their church family, that they can do something to be a part of marching so the wall can fall in their life and in our church to take more ground. So, Father, speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Just right now, you just, between you and God, write that number down on that Vision 2019-2020 commitment card. As heads are still bowed, there are some people in this place today as people are filling out their commitment cards. You don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You're marching on the wrong team. You see, there's two teams. There's the devil's team and there's God's team. And you're on one of those teams today. And today... I want you to leave the devil's team and join God's team, the army of the Lord, and start marching for Jesus. Stop marching for sin and marching for addictions and marching for sex and marching for drugs and marching for power. But today, give your life to Jesus. He has a plan and purpose for your life. And start marching in the army of the Lord. Don't spend eternity away from Jesus by marching on the devil's team. I want you to spend eternity in God's presence by marching on God's team. If that's you, you want to give your life to Jesus Christ today, or perhaps somebody needs to rededicate their life to the Lord because you drifted away. As I count to three, would you raise your hand high? And I want to lead you in a prayer. One, two, three. Would you just lift your hand high and say, Pastor, that's me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Mabel Bassett or other locations, just raise your hand. Thank you so much. See your hand. Thank you. So awesome. See your hand. Thank you. I'm asking ask hands that are raised and pray this prayer with me. Just confess this prayer with your mouth and believe it in your heart. God's going to wash away your sins. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Oh, I'm grateful that he died on the cross and rose again for my sins. Thank you that today as I place my faith in Jesus, my sins are forgiven. And I'm joining the army of the Lord. And I commit to march on your team the rest of my life. Thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name I pray.